Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Yes, it is me. I am here. I'm not hiding, I'm not running, I'm not ducking. Yeah, it was a tough weekend, but whatever, I'm back. I'm still here, still strong. We got a good show today, good show today. We got a lot of things to get into today. We're going to bounce around a lot. We're going to get into a lot, man. Look, uh, guys, I had a tough weekend. <laughs> it was a, uh, let me go ahead and intro this, man. <laughs> Listen, uh, Cyber Family, welcome back. It's good to see you again. I'm a little somber today, it's true. This is your first time listening. I'd like to welcome you. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. It was a tough sports weekend for your boy. Uh, yeah, man. I know, I know. Listen, I, I got to issue a heartfelt, sincere apology to Buckeye Nation. Look, I I spit in the face of the sports gods, okay? Came in here last week, hot, on fire. It trash talking, you know. <laughs> but look, I said, to my credit, I said, if the sports gods want to punish me, and me only, I'll take the blame for this one, y'all. Uh, I, I said that Ohio State... Was gonna beat Michigan by forty. I said it was gonna be a slaughter. I even titled the episode last week "OH Holiday." I said it was the annual massacre of those Wolverines from Michigan. I know, I know, I know. And trust me, as I was watching that game, uh, the only thing going through my head was, "This is my fault." <laughs> right. I feel guilty. But look, I'm here. I could have canceled the show. I could have said, nah, I could come in here. Listen, I'm here. Face the music. Hey, y'all, that... I'll tell you what. i tell you what. I, I was taught a lesson. I got respect for those sports guys. I'm not going to come in here and talk crazy. Eh, I'm lying. <laughs> I will. I will from time to time. Look, we have to start with the Ohio State-Michigan game. We have to start there. Uh, I'm seeing... Look, it's a good thing that that I do this show on Wednesdays because I've had time to think about it. If you would have gotten my instant reaction immediate right after the game, uh, it would have been a profanity-laden uh, rant about how much I hate uh, Michigan, everything about them, Uh <laughs> How they didn't do nothing, blah, blah, blah. It's all Ohio State. I would have been very biased, very bitter. But look, man, I'm coming in here a couple days later. Was able to sleep. Was able to kind of read some stuff. I got two takes. Number one, my anger and disappointment immediately turned to excitement and hope for the future. Right? We'll get into that in a second. But also... Acceptance, that game was decided by Michigan's offensive line, right? Ohio State's offense played well enough that they, they, they would have gotten the win had Ohio State's defense been able to get one or two stops in that game, 
right? And the difference was Michigan's offense moved the defensive line of Ohio State all over the field. Just moved them right out the way. Pushed them wherever they want. They were able to run the ball with ease. And and that that was the difference. They were able to run the ball. And the entire second half, every possession, they scored a touchdown. And they didn't score a touchdown through the air. They were scoring touchdowns on the ground. They were running for five, six, seven yards a carry every single time without fail. Now, we have to acknowledge one of those factors were that Ohio State has had issues at linebacker all year, whether it's uh, playability or, in this case, they had a lot of injuries. They were, they were really banged up in the, in, in the linebacking group. And so they had to play nickel defense most of the second half. So they only had two linebackers on the field and the offensive, the defensive line wasn't holding up. Offensive line pushing them out the way, gaping holes. And that was the difference. And they won. And Michigan won. Credit to Michigan. Oh, I hate saying that. Uh, <laughs> you know, every year I, I go into the game and I think, hey, man, I don't like Michigan, but like. I also don't have the disdain for them to where, like, I used to, when I was younger, I used to root against Michigan every game. I used to actively root against them. No matter who they were playing, I would be mad if they won, even a single game. Now it's like, I, I don't really care. If you're not playing Ohio State, then what difference does it make to me? I, I mean, I don't like them, but the hatred, it's not there the same. Until the game. <laughs> And when I see them on the field playing Ohio State, the hate comes right back. It comes rushing back. I can't tell you how disgusted I was watching that team. I hate them. I do. I hate Michigan. I root for your failure. <laughs> I'm rooting for Iowa to beat you. Uh, and I don't, I, I hate you. Hey, Michigan. Hey, Michigan football, I hate you. <laughs> right? But listen, they won. Credit to them. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Ohio State fans responding to the trash talk from Michigan with the, oh, one win in 10 years and you guys are puffing your chest out. Oh, Jim Harbaugh finally got a win and you guys are acting like it's the biggest deal in the world. Like, I get all that. I get, listen, I get it. It is. It's annoying, right? It's like you guys have been dominated for a decade and now you get a win and you're running around like it's like, yo, one win in the last six. Like, come on, chill. All right, we, we still own you. And it's like, no, let's not do that, guys. Buckeye fans, let's not do that. Let them have their day. If the roles were reversed, you better believe it would be the same. And look. Ohio State fans that uh, bought up a lot of hotel rooms and tickets to the Big Ten Championship game next week, or this week, actually, because they assumed, like I did, that Ohio State was going to beat Michigan and we were going to be there. Well, it turns out they're not. And so now what they're doing is they are holding on to those hotel rooms. (laughs) So Michigan fans can't get them or... They are willing to sell them to you at an insane price. I love that. (laughs) Screw you guys. You're not going to dance and parade in my face 
and then asked me, yo, uh, can I get that hotel room off you? I need a place to stay when I go to the game. Nah, you're going to be driving there and back same day. You ain't getting this. Or you could pay me a bunch of money. <laughs> I like that. But look, look, uh, I'm all over the place, right? They listen, when you lose, I, 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 can't, I wasn't prepared for this, to be honest with you. I was really prepared to come in here. I had music uh, cues set up. I had a whole celebration thing set up. I was ready. I was ready to stomp all over Michigan. And now I got to change up. But what I will say, the, 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 I, you guys won. Michigan won. I don't think it's a situation where you can say, oh, you know, they didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. No, they did. They earned it. Their offensive line dominated. You know, that's just, it happens. I said to you last week, at some point, you know, I always say my favorite saying is the bill comes due. At some point, you're going to lose. You're not going to beat a team every single time forever. You're going to lose. I didn't think it would be this year, but it was going to happen eventually. They were going to lose to Michigan. It's just the way it goes. Right? So there's no there's no shame in that. We don't need to be ashamed as Ohio State fans. Look, we're gonna go to a big time bowl. And you know, if you want listen, if you want to, there's a chance. There's a ch- it's very slim. It is the, the most minuscule of chances ever. But there is a way for Ohio State to still get into the playoff. It's possible. You need everything. To line up perfectly for you, but it's possible. <laughs> right? And even if it doesn't, look, you're sitting at 10 and 2. Um, the future is bright. You know, we're probably gonna lose Garrett Wilson. He's probably leaving. If he comes back, I'll be shocked. But we said the same thing last year about Chris Olave. We thought he was gonna be gone and he came back. So you never know. But even if he doesn't, the receiver room is loaded. We know that. The secondary is going to have another year. We've got young guys on the edges, defensive line. We've got young linebackers coming in. The number one linebacker in the country is coming next year. So it, things can improve, right? But you're still 10-2. and two. You're going to go to a big bowl, and there's a chance you're going to end up in the Rose Bowl to take on Oregon and get to avenge that early season loss, right? So the... All is not lost. It's not over. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. It's their day. Let them celebrate, whatever. But Michigan, Michigan, I hope I gave you enough credit for your win. I don't want this to come across as hate. But don't poke the bear. You won. You got one. You got one. But don't, 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 don't poke the bear. Okay? Let... Let the sleeping bear lie. You got one. Listen. You got one. You got a lot of upperclassmen on your team. A lot of your best players came back because they wanted this win. I know how important it is to you. But when you win the game, take the win and move on. Say whatever you want amongst yourselves, amongst each other, whatever. Don't go to the media and poke the bear. Hey, Jim Harbaugh, you got one. You got to win. But let's be honest. These two teams play Saturday. Who do you think is winning that game? Who is your money on? Ohio State, right? Okay. They play the following Saturday. 
who you got your money on. Ohio State, right? Okay. The point I'm making is, if these two teams play 10 times, Ohio State wins 9 times. Okay? They got the better players. You can argue they got the better coaches, but how do you argue that, right? Like, that's based on results on the field and whatever. They're the better team. There's a reason why they were favored to win the game. You came out and had a game plan and executed your game plan perfectly, and it worked. It worked. And you got the win. If you play them that way next year, the results might not and probably won't be the same. Correct? You got it. Right? But don't come out as the coach and say a comment like, some people are born on third base I think they hit a triple. Don't throw shots at Ryan Day as if he doesn't have a resume. He was hired as the OC for a reason based on what he's accomplished in his career. He was promoted to the head coach based on what he did while he was at the program. Now, yes, he inherited an incredible recruiting class because Urban Meyer was top notch at recruiting. But that's continued. And going forward with his recruiting classes, they're still top five in the nation. Don't make comments to that guy. Don't send shots at that guy who year in, year out has and will have the better players than you. Because that one in five record you hold can quickly turn into one in ten. Don't poke the bear. Their offensive coordinator comes out and says that they're a good team. Ohio State is a good team, but they're a finesse team, not, not a tough team. Hey, hey, Dodo, don't poke the bear. Like, they are, you have to understand, Ohio State already, already is pissed off that they lost this game. They're already sitting there thinking, We cannot let this happen again. So, right up, remember what happened just last year. Just go back to last year. When Clemson beat them the year before, talked trash, and then Dabo came out and said that they're the 11th ranked team in the country. Remember how much energy. Look, if you watched that game, that playoff game against Clemson, and then you watch the national championship, you saw a clear difference in attitude in those two games. They spent the entire offseason working just to face Clemson. And when they got that chance, whoo, every aspect of that game, they wanted to dominate. They wanted to destroy, and you saw what happened. Hey, Michigan. You've been kind of under the radar for Ohio State. They've kind of had bigger fish to fry. Here's one thing I can promise you. You're you're the focus. Right? You are now solely. We ain't the national championship. Don't worry about that. Big Ten championship. Don't worry about that either. Michigan. They will put that score all over the training room all over the training facility, all over the field, practice field. They will mention that every single day. They will mention these comments. You're not a tough team. 
Michigan says you're not tough. That will be the theme for the entire season. I promise you that. Hey, listen, I would like to send a heartfelt apology to the rest of the Big Ten. Michigan, Michigan has just ruined your year next year. Because Ohio State will come out to destroy everyone and everything until they get to Michigan. And then when they get to Michigan, please believe me, they are going for blood. Do you remember I said, look, I know, I know you're probably like, yo, you just said that, though. you just said that last week, you said they were going to win by 40. I'm not saying they're going to win by 40, I'm saying they're going to try to hurt you. They are going to hit you harder than you've ever been hit. They are going to attack you more than you've ever been attacked. They are focused solely on destroying you. Ryan Day said a couple a couple years ago that he wanted to put up 100. He wanted to put up 100. Oh, he going for it now. Oh, that's that's the goal. Because you got to remember, C.J. Stroud is in his first year as a starter. Competing for the Heisman. What do you think it's going to be like next year? Now, yeah, I don't always believe that you just get better and better and better. There is a ceiling, sure, but this is your first year starting. If nothing, he's going to get cleaner. Right, A lot of the early season woes, they're going to be cleaned up a bit because you've seen it now. You've been there. You've experienced it. You're a little more mature. You know how to read defense. You got, you know what I mean? You're going to be cleaner for sure. There's some throws that he missed that he ain't going to miss next year. That's a big deal. If I have the better players every year, I have the better roster. You need to play perfect. I don't. Ohio State didn't play perfect. And it was a, it was a one-possession game. And had Ohio State made a stop before that last touchdown, buttholes would have got tight. We don't really know what would have happened, but for to Michigan's credit, they ran the ball. Game over. But don't come out and poke the bear. Have your fun. Have your fun. But don't say things like, don't challenge someone's toughness. Don't do that. Ah, Now we got to show you. Now you took someone who's already mad. Look, did you watch Ryan Day after the game? The season's over. Who cares about the bowl game? As a fan, sure, it'll be a last chance to watch it. But it's disappointing. Right? And now you throw shots at him. Now you challenge the team's toughness, which he has to take right on the chin. He has to take responsibility. Come on, man. Ohio State's recruiting class this year was number two for 2021. Next year, right right now, they're sitting at six. The year after that, they're sitting at four. Already early projections. Hey, Michigan, you were at 13 this year. Next year, you're projected to be 17. So... Your recruiting classes aren't as good as Ohio State's, so they still have the better players. Still have. you Listen, J.J. McCarthy, is that his name? Five-star quarterback. Really good pickup. Dude, we got three five-star quarterbacks on our roster. <laughs> what are you talking about? You got five stars everywhere. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Michigan? Don't do that. Just... Let it be. Let, have your fun. Storm the field. Woo! Have a great time. After the game, be a little humble. You first win in eight years. 
I'm sorry, nine, 10 years, nine years. Like, come on, be a little humble, right? Talk about how much you, you love this, you needed this, blah, blah, blah. You ain't got to call out Ohio State for nothing. But you did, and it's over for everybody else. All right, we spent 20 minutes on that. I'm moving on. I think you got the point. All right, so I want to move on to something. Let's touch on something real quick. Let's do, let's do some boxing stuff. Let's do some boxing. It's been a while since we, since we really dove into boxing. So I've been defending Canelo Alvarez for uh, a few weeks. Actually, a, a while in private, but a few weeks on this podcast. Um, he came out and uh, was saying he wanted to challenge for the cruiserweight title against uh, Yanni Makabu. I'm going to say Makabu, right? And he got a lot of criticism. Oh, why are you ducking Benavidez? Why are you ducking Charlo? Blah, blah, blah. This is a bad move, blah, blah, blah. And I came out and I said, and I had a lengthy rant about how Canelo is only taking fights if there's something he can gain historically. If you have a belt that he would like to have, if there's for some reason to do it, not just to prove to the media, I, I can just beat anybody, right? That's not what he's in it for. So I said, moving up the cruiserweight to get a belt is a challenge. It's going to be very difficult. And it should be commended. It's like, yo, whether you've heard of Makabu or not, it doesn't matter. This is the guy that's much, much bigger than Canelo. And he deserves respect. Well, last week it came out that uh, Canelo initially said, I don't think I can get up to 200 pounds. I'm going to look for a catch weight. And I said, uh-oh, that, spells, that sounds like trouble to me. So I was reading an article yesterday when they've, they've titled this thing that Canelo does where he seeks catch weight as a Canelo weight, something that started when he was fighting at 154 but would always have a catch weight of 155, right? Because he couldn't get to 154, so catch weight of 155, and they called it Canelo weight. We're going to fight at the Canelo weight. Well, the reports are that Canelo is looking to uh, have Makabu, that fight, be at 180 pounds. Yeah, you heard me. This guy, Cruiserweight, which is 200 pounds, Canelo wants him to drop weight to come down to 180 to fight for that Cruiserweight title. I can't defend this. This I can't defend. This, This looks bad. It is bad. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's it it it's devaluing the title. So you're taking a guy who cuts weight to get to 200 to cut even more weight to get down to 180, a guy who hasn't fought in I believe 2 years. Bro, that's light heavyweight. You fought Kovalev at 175. Listen, if that's your Canelo, if that's your max, if that's the heaviest you can get and feel comfortable, if anything above that you feel just gross and sluggish and can't move the way you want to, fine, I get it. Then your maximum is light heavyweight. There's plenty of light heavyweights you could fight if that's what you want to do. But if you want to go up the cruiserweight, you can't ask the guy to come down to light heavyweight to fight you. And then you're going to get a cruiserweight title that you didn't even win at cruiserweight against a guy who you caused to basically malnourish himself to get down to a weight that you feel comfortable at. Now, look, I get you're the A-side. You can make whatever demands you want. You can ask for whatever you want. And this guy, for the payday, is probably going to do it. Because it's a good look. It's a payday. 
whatever, get the check, give up, who cares? Canelo's going to vacate that belt. It's just going to be another weight class for him to put on his resume. And you hope, if you're Canelo and Canelo's team and Canelo fans, you hope that in 10, 15 years, nobody remembers how he got that title. He'll just get credited for moving up to cruiserweight and winning a cruiserweight title. But the truth is, is nobody, we're not going to respect that if you wanted at 180. This guy can't come down to 180. That's such, that's a terrible idea. It's a terrible move. Now, I agree. Don't fight Charlo. What? He's 160. You're above, you're 168. If he wants to move up and fight a couple 168 pounders and make some noise, then sure, we can fight at 168. But fight Benavidez. Fight some of the light heavyweights that are out there. Get that belt again. Right? I get it. You're trying to get challenges. But asking a guy at cruiserweight 200 pounds to come down to 180 to fight you for a cruiserweight title, you're not fighting that cruiserweight, bro. Look, I love Canelo, but that's that deserves the criticism. If that happens, that fight deserves all of the criticism and none of the viewership. Because that would be a slaughter in the water because Canelo's coming in big, strong, healthy. This guy's coming in malnourished. This guy's coming in physically drained, physically, emotionally, mentally drained. And he's going to get knocked out and Canelo's going to parade around and Canelo's stands are going to say he's the greatest. And I'm going to be conflicted because, yes, I want to see Canelo knock out anybody. (laughs) But I'm also going to feel bad for the other guy and say this isn't a legit title. I can't defend that one. Sticking with boxing. Tommy Fury versus Logan Paul is coming up very fast. And my question is, who cares? Who cares? I'm seeing almost no coverage on this fight at all. It's as if the sports world does not care. It's as if the Instagram, uh, Twitter, and, and YouTube world doesn't care. No one cares anymore. And I thought about that and I said, that's weird. Have you watched any of their press conferences? First of all, they're they're never in the same place, right? I believe the first one, Tommy Fury couldn't be there, so it was just Jake Paul and his goofs, right? And then the next one, Jake Paul wasn't there, but he was in the pool calling in, and the connection was horrible. It's just it's so amateurish and so bad that the the Tyron Woodley setup. You could tell was heavily orchestrated, influenced, and controlled by Showtime. It was presented in a professional manner, like a match, like a boxing fight, like a boxing event is always presented. That's how that one was presented. This is presented like complete garbage. Like people don't like Showtime doesn't care. We don't care. Do whatever you want. Again, like I said before, they made their money already. This is just we contractually have to do this, so whatever. We're not going to put any effort, time, or energy into it. Let them do it. And whatever happens, happens. We don't care if people watch this or not. We already, we're already up. We're up for the year. This, this event doesn't do anything for us. But I think the reason why the people aren't responding to it the same way is because I think the Tyron Woodley fight exposed Jake Paul. And I think that's the worst thing that could have happened for him. Because if you're a fan of Jake Paul, you saw in that fight that he got beat up. And if not for Tyrone Woodley refusing to throw punches, he would have lost that fight. But even if you're a fan of Jake Paul, you have to say he's not a good boxer. He's not. He's not supposed to be. He hasn't been doing it long enough. 
He hasn't been fighting that level of competition to get his skills to that level to where you feel like he's a good boxer. The fact that there's even a question if he could beat Tommy Fury, that says a lot. That's all you need to know. So even if you're a fan, you know, ah, man, the hype train kind of died, right? Because you no longer can defend. Like, nah, he could really fight. He could really fight. We all saw it. And if you're a hater of Jake Paul, well, the interest is gone for you because you saw what you needed to see. You were proven right. Jake Paul's not a good boxer. You saw that on display. He's not a good boxer. He's trash. So if you realize he's trash, like there's really no excitement or interest to see him fight to get it proven again that he's trash because it's already proven. We don't need to. We're not excited to see that anymore. The, 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 the allure is gone. So the haters don't really need to watch it because we already saw you get beat up. And like we saw you get saved by the ropes and we we saw that this guy should have knocked you out. We're already hearing that there's no knockout clauses in the contract. So it's like, oh, well, that's why. So in a hater's mind. You lost the fight, but he had to hold back on you, so whatever. But we saw enough. We saw what we needed to see. There's no confusion now. There's no mistake. You're not a good boxer at this point. And if you're a supporter, you saw the the holes in the game, and you're like, ah, okay. He's, yeah, he's really not that good. And then you're not as excited anymore to, to, to defend him or cape for him because there's no one coming after him anymore. The entire fight community looked at it and said, oh, yeah, he's no good. We told you that. Now, they're off of it, so now you have nothing to go against. Therefore, there's no interest. Interesting. So I think the Logan Paul thing is is pretty much done. It's over. I think until, I think until, did I say Logan Paul? Until Jake Paul does something that's really impressive, like, if he knocks out Tommy Fury, that's impressive. Now, there's levels. Tommy Fury is not a world beater, but it is a legit boxer, somebody who's been boxing solely, somebody who's big, as big as you, if not bigger than you, somebody who knows what he's doing in there. And if you knock him out, well, that's a big deal, and then it might recharge the hype train. But for now, man, it's over. It's not looking good for you. It's also not looking good for Teofimo Lopez this weekend. If you missed the uh, Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis fight, then you missed out on a great, great fight. I wasn't gonna watch this. Uh, I, I don't. I I wasn't familiar with George Cambosis, and I, I I'm not a big fan of Teofimo Lopez, so I didn't feel like I needed to. Uh, but I did. I I was up. The fight was coming on. It was in New York, so I knew it was coming on a little earlier. So they, they started fighting like promptly at 11. So it was like, all right, I can watch this. I'll watch it. And I'm glad I did, man. Fight was incredible. It was a great fight. Kambosis, man, he's got, a, he's got a great chin. He's got great balance, great chin, super strong jab, smart fighter, determined fighter. That guy's good, man. That guy's fun to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him fight going forward now. Like, he's he's... He's the kind of guy I like. He's the kind of guy who who's gonna stand in there, take some heat, dish some out. He's just an action fighter. That that was fun to watch. Here's the biggest takeaway for me: Teofimo Lopez uh, exposed what happens when you step out of your character. You remember when? when <laughs> you remember when Levar Ball was on the Herd show and he was telling telling Christine Leahy, "Stay in your lane." Stay in your lane. 
That's what somebody needed to tell Tiafimo Lopez. Stay in your lane. Tiafimo Lopez came out as if he was a one-hitter-quitter type guy. As if he was one punch and you're done type of fighter. Just raw power run through you like a Tyson or a Triple G. It's like that's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's never who you've been. Like, look, let's tell the ugly truth, right? He gets a lot of credit for beating Lomachenko. You do deserve credit for that. Lomachenko was pound for pound the best. One of the the slickest fighters ever. And you won. But the reality is, in the first six, seven rounds, he didn't do anything to you. Lomachenko didn't throw punches. He was just standing there with his guard up, staying away from you. When he started pressing the action in the second half of the fight, you lost five of those six rounds. And it was a close fight. Had Lomachenko came out early and fought that way for the entire fight, you probably do lose that fight. So you got a big head because you became undisputed at 135, right? And and you came out... And you talked a lot of trash. Listen, this fight got delayed multiple times for multiple reasons. And I think that hurt Tio because I think what he did that entire time was continue to talk trash. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Started working out. Physically changed his appearance a bit. Got a little bigger. Right? Definitely probably got stronger. Probably was hitting a lot harder. And was really confident in his power now. But the problem is, is Tio, your power, a lot of it came from being sharp. From setting up punches. You didn't ever walk across the ring. Throw a right hand connect. And the guy dropped and folded. You were slick. You were smart. You were calculated. You caught guys with shots they didn't see coming. You were sharp and accurate. That's what aided your power. You're not a raw brute force. Stay in your lane. And that entire fight. He came out, he hit the guy with his best shots, and to to Kembos' credit, he took it. He took the best shots and stood right there. And at that moment, Lopez had to realize, okay, I'm not just going to get this guy out of here. And he didn't have a plan B. And he never went back to his sharp box, and he still went back to, I'm going to overpower you. And that's why you lost the fight. Listen, guys, you got you got to stay within character. You got to do what you do best. And, and, and moments of stress, of struggle, revert back to what you know you do best. Be who you are to the core. It's cool to switch up attacks. Look, bringing it all the way back to Ohio State versus Michigan. That's what it was. Michigan, you run the ball. That's what you do. You're not a spread, throw the ball 50 times a game type of team that's not what you guys are you guys are uh, ground and pound (laughs) you guys are run the ball offense everything works off the run that's what you are that's what Harbaugh has always been that's what he was at Stanford that's what he was in the NFL and that's what he needs to be now and that's when you're gonna have your most success T.O. got away from that he stepped out of his lane and that's what happens you lost man but a great fight Great fight. Um, I don't know if I want them to do it again. I kind of want to see what each guy is going to do going forward separately. But T.O. does need his belts. He does want his belts back. So it might happen. It might happen. We'll see. 
Devin Haney fights against Jojo Diaz this weekend. I think Devin Haney wins. I just feel like Jojo Diaz is little. I feel like he's a short guy. And Haney's a boxer, and he's going to stay away and box. He has no problem winning a boring fight in 12 rounds and going home. It doesn't, it doesn't bother him. You know what I mean? So I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to be able to keep Jojo away, and he's going to win that fight pretty easy, in my opinion. But I was wrong all last weekend, so don't listen to me. <laughs> Another game I was wrong about. That actually, I don't. I, I don't think I could technically say I was wrong. Well, I mean, technically I was wrong, <laughs> but kind of I wasn't. I said last week that um, the Cowboys Raiders game that I'm going against my head in saying that the Raiders are going to win. I was I in saying that the Cowboys were going to win because I predicted the Cowboys to win, but I really was predicting the Raiders to win. I was telling you, I, I don't feel confident in this. I'm going to go against what I believe, go with my heart and pick the Cowboys, but the Raiders ultimately won. And this was this was especially painful because uh, it was Thanksgiving and I had family over, so I had the one and only Raider Honcho, right, Mr. Famous, in my house, and he was live streaming during the game. Uh, and his loyal supporters uh, were going at me because <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, so watching it with a Raiders fan who is supported and backed by hundreds of other Raider fans made it all the worse. <laughs> uh, listen, man, I think the, what we learned was, yes, no Cooper, no C.D. Lamb. That matters. But Zeke's not 100%. He's dealing with a knee issue. I think they need to sit him. I think you do. I think it doesn't help to have him out there if he can't be 100%. You can see he's, he's lacking some explosion. Sit him down. You got Tony Pollard. You'll be okay. Your offense is not based around the run anymore anyway. You throw the ball more than you run it, so you guys will be okay. Give Pollard a chance to be an every down back. Going forward, it's only going to help to say, should we move on from Zeke? Should we not? Should we pay this guy a high salary to be our backup? Like, all those questions can get crystallized if you feature him. Also, not to be a negative Nancy, but if you feature Pollard for the next two, three games as the feature back and he doesn't do so well, other teams around the league might look at him and say, ah, we're not going to offer him a big contract to be our feature back because we saw what he could do. You might be able to bring him back less money. I'm just saying, something to think about. But the other thing we learned was Dak Prescott is a quarterback that needs a lot of help. He does, right? So there's a couple... In the NFL, you have some quarterbacks who uh, can kind of carry a team, right? They can, they can kind of pull you along. We can have weaker receivers. We can have injuries. We can have no running game. And I can kind of pull us. I can pull us along. I don't need everything around me to be perfect. One of those, there's, I think there's only three. Off the top of my head, I could think of three. I would say Tom Brady's one. Aaron Rodgers is another. Oh, man, the third. I want to say Russell Wilson, but this year, man, they're three and eight. I think there's only two. I think it's I think it's just Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. The only two in the NFL who I feel like take away their best receivers, 
take away their running game, they could still they could they could drag them to some wins, right? So there's only two. Everyone else kind of falls into that category of you need something else, whether it's I need a good running game, right? Or I need at least a number one receiver. Or, you know what I mean? Like, everyone else kind of needs some other things for them to be at their best. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady don't. They could be at their best with lesser. Right? But that's rare. Dak is, is one of those guys that needs a lot of help around him. Dak needs a number one receiver. Dak needs a good running game. Because every time the running game isn't working and it's all on Dak, they don't win those games. More times than not, they're going to lose. It's not the recipe. I came in week one and told you, you got to run the ball. Throwing the ball 50 times, that's not going to work for you. And if you look throughout Dak's career, the times where he's had the most pass attempts, those aren't games that they're winning. There's a reason why the Cowboys didn't want to pay Dak as the number one paid quarterback in the NFL. There's a reason why they kind of strong-armed him on the number. There's a reason why they were hesitant to sign him back. It's because at that money, at that price the rest of the team is going to be hindered. If you're making that much of the pie, that's less pie to go around, we're not going to be able to surround you with the top-notch players. So you're going to have to do with lesser in certain areas. And if you're not a guy that could drag them along, then we're just setting you up and ourselves up for failure. I think that's what the Cowboys were trying to avoid. Now, this isn't a knock on Dak. I like Dak. I do. It's just another reminder when we start talking about MVP, MVP, when we start talking about best in the league, when we start talking about top five quarterbacks, understand that Dak benefits when everything around him is good. Dak needs those things. Dak needs Amari Cooper. Remember what happened two years ago? When they said we're going to go without a number one receiver, when they let Dez go and they said we're going to do it, we're going to have like a platoon of receivers. We'll give you four good receivers, none great. You know what happened? They were terrible, god awful. They went out and traded for, for Amari Cooper because they needed a number one. That experiment failed. He showed you then. Then you paid him. Now they got injuries and it's like, oh, well, they got injuries. Like, yeah, but drag them. Even with that being said, they did have a chance to win, but Dak was missing throws. Dak played terrible. Played terrible. The defense made stupid mistakes. Like, it was it was a disappointing game, to say the least. <laughs> what more can I say? I was disappointed. I mean, dinner was good, though. Right? So that's a positive. Moving on. Look, man, uh, I'm going to make a statement. Listen to what I'm saying. Mac Jones is redefining how we need to evaluate players moving forward. Let me let me repeat that. Mac Jones, quarterback of the Patriots, is redefining how we need to evaluate players going forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me explain. Mac Jones is having success in New England, not because he's great. It's because he fits great. Because he's a perfect fit for what they need. He wasn't the best quarterback coming out of the class. He's not the most talented. Put him in Jacksonville, it ain't looking like this. 
put him in Chicago, it's not looking like this. Do you understand? What I'm He's a perfect fit for what they need. That's his skill set. They he his skill set perfectly matches what they need. You get this. Now, why is that redefining how we evaluate players? Because Bill Belichick has been doing something that's absolutely smart for years, decades even. Right? Here's the secret sauce and the magic about the Patriots. Because they always say, oh, they have lesser talents. He takes nobodies and they're winning Super Bowls. And look at their roster. There's nobody on that roster that you would love or praise or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's because Bill Belichick is smart. And why he's smarter than everybody else is because every other dumb-dumb in the NFL is trying to get the best players. I know, that sounds like, yeah, duh. But no, here's what Belichick does. Belichick says, hey, what do we want to do? Forget the players. Don't worry about the players. What, what do we want to do? We want to run the ball. Okay, whiskey. We're going to do a zone read, whatever. Figures out what they want to do. And then they go find players that fit what they want to do. Does that make sense? Like, if I want to do short passing games, if I don't, I don't want to stretch the field and go down the field. I want to run the ball and do play action. Okay, well, I don't need Randy Moss. I need a slot receiver. I need a big, strong tight end who's a matchup problem. I, you know what? Let's go two tight ends because they're going to run shorter patterns. Let's get there's an athletically gifted guy who's a little too slow to be receiver, a little too small to be in line tight end. So we'll we'll get him and have them be kind of like a hybrid because that's what you know that's what we're looking for and then we'll get a small shifty uh receiver that could do that okay you got gronk aaron hernandez and julian edelman perfect these guys fit what they want to do they're the perfect fit their defensive players are like, yo, I need you to do this. So we need to find a guy that does this. It doesn't matter if he's a sixth, seventh round pick or a first round pick. I don't need the top receiver coming out of college. Does he fit what we're trying to do? No? All right, then don't worry about it. Hey, I don't need to sign the biggest free agent cornerback. Does he fit what we're trying to do? No? Then don't worry about him. Look, we need to get away from... See, Mac Jones was evaluated based on his talent or his skill overall, right? So it's like, ah, he's not great at this. He's not great at that. He's not great at that. So he gets a grade of this. So now if you're San Francisco and you're judging the quarterbacks, you're saying, well, who's got the highest grade? Who's the best one? Well, that's stupid because it doesn't matter if he's the best, if he doesn't fit what you're trying to do, that he's just going to be the best player that doesn't fit into your system and you're not going to be able to maximize his ability. It's the reason why coaches, it's the reason why Baltimore adjusted to their play, their play calling a little bit to kind of tailor towards doing what Lamar Jackson does well so that they can mold it around him so that his skill set is maximized. That's what happened in New England with Mac Jones. They said, what do we need? What are we looking for? What do we need our quarterback to do? And then when they were evaluating, I could promise you Mac Jones was their highest graded because he perfectly fit what they were looking for. It wasn't about, does he have the best arm? Uh, is he the smartest? Uh, is he the fastest? Does he have the best? None of that matters. It, does he fit what we need? And the answer is yes, and you're having incredible success because 
his skill set is matched perfectly with what they're asking him to do. And we need to go looking into the draft every position. If you have a defensive end who's a stand-up 3-4 defensive end, you're not going to ask him to put his hand in the ground and play a conventional 4-3 defensive end. It's not a fit. You're asking him to not do what he's best at. So you don't draft that guy. There's a reason why the Cowboys didn't draft T.J. Watt a few years ago. And everyone will say, oh, you could have had T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt was a stand-up linebacker, right? He was a stand-up 3-4 end. Like, you know what I mean? Cowboys run a 4-3. They needed a a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, and they felt like that's not what T.J. Watt does best. So he's not going to fit. So we're going to draft this guy. He's not going to fit into what we want to do, and then we're not going to be able to capitalize on it. We're not going to be able to best utilize him. So they passed. And fans are like, whoa, what? Oh, what are you doing? Look how great he turned out to be. It's like, yeah, but if he didn't fit, he wouldn't do that here. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think Mac Jones is, is, is the evidence. Like, that way of thinking works. That's the way it needs to be. So, yeah, maybe, you know, this quarterback coming out doesn't... Yeah, he might be the best quarterback, but maybe we don't take him. Because what we're looking for in our quarterback, a different guy fits that better. That's why the Eagles got stuck with Carson Wentz and ended up moving on from him. Because he wasn't he didn't fit what they were looking for. What they need what they were gonna ask him to do wasn't what he does best. And it wasn't the fit. And they started having trouble and then they had to move on. Well, stop trying to draft just the best available quarterback and draft the guy that actually fits what you're trying to do. I know, I sound crazy. It's whatever. <laughs> At this point it doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel so defeated. It was a tough weekend, man. It was a tough weekend. Anyway, don't look now, people. Don't look now. But the Rams have lost three in a row. Oh, man. Matthew Stafford is no longer the leading guy for the MVP. He's not even in the discussion anymore. Oh, man. This team was 7-1. and one. They were 7-1. and one. Talk of the league. Definitely going to the Super Bowl. I, I said, week one. Week one, show one. I said, hey, uh, when you drafted Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, why? What's the point? It's like you swapped one guy for a guy who's just like him. <laughs> And then, does this make you better? Like, what? I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I thought it was a complete lateral move. I thought it was literally taking a $10 bill and trading it for 10 singles. It's like, dude, we got the same, I got the same amount. I'm ending up with the same amount. I'm ending up with the same thing. Now, it might look different. You know, I got 10 singles, I fold it up, it looks more impressive than just one bill folded in half, but it still has the same value. Right? That's what that's what Stafford and Golf are. See, Jared Goff got you to a Super Bowl. 
Followed that up with a year where he threw over 4,500 yards, had like 30 touchdowns, 12 picks, 100 QB rating. Followed that up in 2020 and ended up having like 3,800 yards, like 25 touchdowns, 11 picks, a rating of like 90, right? I told you their QB rating for their career is like 0.9 off from each other. They're so similar in terms of rating, in terms of completion percentage, yards. Stafford has way more yards and touchdowns because he's played more years. But, like, they're on trajectory to have very similar numbers when it's all said and done. Jared Goff got you to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff came within a single throw from winning the Super Bowl. He had Cook open in the back of the end zone, saw him a little late, threw it, and, and McCourty was able to come over and knock it away. You know the play I'm talking about. But had he completed that, they more than likely win that championship. Jared Goff's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It was that close. He was that close to having that title. Right? He put up numbers. Look at Jared Goff's numbers with with L.A. He put up numbers. Numbers weren't the problem. Stats weren't the problem. Right? So you guys just felt like, eh, we need something more. So you went and traded for Matthew Stafford. Well, and I said to you, what has Stafford done that makes you feel like he's like the guy, like the difference maker, like he's going to take you over the hump? What makes you think that? And everyone told me, Matt, Matthew Stafford's way better than Jared Goff. Jared Goff sucks. Jared Goff doesn't suck. Jared Goff is completing almost 70% in Detroit. Give that man some weapons, okay? Give him some weapons and you'll see. Look at the numbers he put up in LA. They're damn near identical to what Stafford is doing. See, Stafford came out and had 3,000 yards in the first three weeks, and everyone thought he's going to set records. His numbers are going to end up being eerily similar, almost identical to what Jared Goff did in 2018 for the Rams. So if your numbers look very close to the same and we don't win a Super Bowl, we don't get to a Super Bowl, then what did I get in the trade? I just gave up assets. I gave up a quarterback who was good enough to do what I needed him to do, and I gave up draft picks to where we could approve around that quarterback who's good enough to do what I needed him to do, all to get a quarterback that is essentially the same. So now I have the same quarterback with no assets to build around him. Guys, it was a bad trade. I don't Unless he wins a Super Bowl, it was a bad trade. Right? So, look. Let's put, let's put some numbers to it. And I know I'm not the numbers guy. I'm not the, you know, numbers don't say everything. They help in telling the story, though. Matthew Stafford, for his career, is 8-68 and 68 versus teams with a winning record. Let me repeat that. 8-68 and 68 versus teams with a winning record. And this year, he's 1-4 versus teams with a winning record. He's 0-3 in his career in the playoffs. He's thrown five interceptions. He's thrown like five interceptions in like the last three games. He's got a pick six in each of the last three games. Look, now you look at the raw numbers and you say, oh, he put up numbers. He played well last week. Did he? (laughs) Did he? Like... We have to be honest, y'all. You guys have to be honest with me. I'm I'm not crazy when I say this. 8 and 68 versus teams with a winning record. For his career, for his entire career. You could say, "Ah, he was in Detroit." I don't care. 
I don't care where he was because Jared Goff's in Detroit right now and they're 0-10 and you're crucifying him. You're talking about how trash he is. But he's on that Detroit team that Matt Stafford gets a pass for. Oh, well, his record is reflective of how bad the team is. Jared Goff don't get a pass? Year one, new city, new system, life totally flipped upside down. He doesn't get a pass. He's trash. Matthew Stafford in the new city has a good start, starts going against better teams because early in the year, they were playing some bad teams. Now their schedule is getting a little tougher. They're losing games. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens to Stafford. That's who he is. One in four this year versus teams with a winning record. Which means, ding, 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 6-0 versus teams with a losing record. Come on, man. Come on. What else do you need to see? What more must I say? Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. Matthew Stafford, talent-wise, sure, is better than Jared Goff. But in L.A., with the surrounding cast that he has, what is he going to do that Jared Goff couldn't? That's been my whole point. My point isn't who's the better quarterback. My point is, what is he going to give you in L.A. that you weren't getting from Jared Goff? Numbers? No, you're not getting that because Jared Goff put up numbers. He put up numbers. Wins? You're at 7-4. and Let's see where you end up. Jared Goff could get you 10 wins consistently. So let's see where you end up. So what are you getting in this trade that you didn't have before? That's my question. That was my contention. It was the the trade seemed pretty much pointless. Seems like you just lost lost the trade because you gave up the draft picks. If it was just a straight up swap, it would have been like, you know, you broke even. But you gave up assets. And for this... Listen, now people are starting to criticize. I saw a post the other day by uh, Volume Sports that said, is Matthew Stafford Jared Goff 2.0? Of course, I screenshotted. I sent it to my brothers and I said, I'm not the only one anymore. (laughs) I was saying that week one. I was saying that when they made the trade. Y'all thought I was crazy. Y'all kept making it a Jared Goff or Stafford. If Stafford gives you the same result, then what the hell did you trade for him for? Why'd you trade for him if he's going to give you the same result? What's the point? It's a waste. Somebody needs to make sense of this to me. Somebody needs to show 8 and 68, including 1 and 4 this year versus teams with a winning record. Come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, you're putting up numbers, but then losses, what difference does it make? Who cares? As Shannon Sharp would say, those empty calories, bro. That's my contention. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's uh it's tough, man. Tough. It's tough. It's tough being right. <laughs> it's tough being right. So I mentioned earlier that there's a path for Ohio State to get to the playoff. So in real time, <laughs> In real time, I'm going to kind of go over my idea of what could happen in order 
for them to get there, right? So here's what we got. So Ohio State in the new CFP ranking dropped to number seven. In my opinion, I've been saying it for a couple weeks. I told you that the idea was brought up by Joel Klatt, that the CFP is kind of manipulating the rankings a little bit. And once he said that and I started looking at it, I'm starting to notice some things too. There's, There's a reason they dropped to seven. Right? The top four get in. If you drop to seven, it's three spots you got to make up. Now, oddly enough, oddly enough, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Let's start with that game. Okay? Baylor has two losses. If Baylor beats Oklahoma State, that takes them out of there. You're now up to six. Right? That's one spot covered. They're not going to put Baylor in, even though they beat a number five team, and they're sitting at number nine with two losses, you're not going to bump them up, right? Even if you decided to, you wouldn't put them in over Ohio State. This is not my bias, right? Not saying that they don't deserve it more, but I'm saying you wouldn't based on the idea that Ohio State, as far as fanfare, as far as travel, as far as ratings, is going to get you the higher one. They're the more profitable team to put in there. Not to mention the controversy alone will get you an incredible amount of attention. All press is good press, right? So let's have Baylor beat Oklahoma State. Get them out of there. We move up. The next one is Georgia-Alabama. Georgia's at number one. Alabama's at number three. If Alabama loses, that's two losses for Alabama. Right? Now, yeah, they lost to the number one team, but they're sitting at three. So you'd only drop them one spot. I don't know. Two loss Alabama. I think the country is kind of done with Alabama. I think they want something different. I think seeing the college football playoff every single year with Alabama in it, I think we just need a break. I think we need a break. Right? But let's let's just say Alabama loses to Georgia. They fall down to three. We now have two spots available. Houston versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati's sitting at number four. Get them out of there. <laughs> if Houston at 21 at 11 and 1 somehow beats Cincinnati. Cincinnati loses one game, it's over. They are out of there. So so far we have Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State falls out of the top 5. They get out of your way. In effect, we move up. We need two more spots to fill. Cincinnati loses, we move up again. Now we're sitting at 5. We need one more thing to happen. And guess what happens? Iowa beating Michigan. That Michigan's number two, they immediately fall out. Iowa's number 13. Even if you move them down three spots, you're moving them, you know, down to five or six. Ohio State could jump in there. So you have you have Michigan, and you have Oklahoma State lose. You have Cincinnati lose. Now the question becomes, do we sneak Ohio State in there for? Do we have Georgia? Do we put in Alabama, keep them in there? And then you have three and four. Right? And then you say, you know what you could do? Oh, my God. Again, this is in real time. I didn't write any of this out or plan any of this out. This is just a thought that I had and I needed to, to discuss this on the show. Imagine a scenario. <laughs> I just thought of this. This would be amazing. This would be. Listen, listen. I episode two. I told you I fixed college football. I'm I'm gonna make a YouTube video for that because I feel like that needs to live on somewhere else other than just this podcast, right? 
But here's here's something else. Here, this is this is unbelievable that I just thought of this. Okay, 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 okay. Right now, the top four. Oh, see, Notre Dame throws a monkey wrench in there. But Notre Dame don't have a coach. Get him out of here. <laughs> All right, here's what you got. I'm excited now. Oh, I'm, I'm hyped now. You got Georgia at number one. You got Michigan at number two. You got Alabama at number three. You got Cincinnati at number four. Oklahoma State number five. Notre Dame at six. And then Ohio State. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what should happen. I I don't care. Corruption, I don't care. This needs to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing for college football. I, some of you probably know where I'm going. Oklahoma State loses to Baylor. They're out of the top five. Right? Notre Dame, we're just going to skip them because they don't have a head coach. We don't believe in them anyway. Georgia beats Alabama. Nah, Alabama beats Georgia, right? Alabama beats Georgia. Georgia falls to two. No, Georgia stays at one. Alabama moves up to two. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't even know how you would pull this off. Cincinnati loses. Michigan wins. Cincinnati loses. Oklahoma State loses. Alabama loses. Right? So you have Georgia. You keep Michigan. Keep Alabama. And you put Ohio State in. And you reseed it and shuffle it so Ohio State has to play Michigan in the college football playoff. There you have it. Oh, could you imagine? (laughs) Could you imagine? No. Way. Yo, it's possible. Ohio State has to make up three spots. Notre Dame, cross them off the list. You don't have to put Notre Dame in there. They don't have a head coach. Eh, who's going to? Boo-hoo, right? Oklahoma State loses. Get them out of there. That's one spot. You need to take out Cincinnati. Cincinnati can go. That's three spots. You're at four. You're at four. Alabama wins. Michigan wins. Michigan moves to number one. Alabama moves, stays at three. No, Alabama moves to two. Oh, I just figured it out. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. This is exciting. Alabama beats Georgia. Michigan beats Iowa. Houston beats Cincinnati. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. You then have Michigan move to number one. Georgia dropped to three. Alabama moves up to two. Ohio State gets put in at four. You have Michigan, Ohio State, and you have Georgia-Alabama rematch. That's your college football playoff. That rating for that Ohio State-Michigan rematch would be the highest rated football game of all time. It would be higher rated than Super Bowls. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm acting crazy. <laughs> it would be <laughs> it would be insane rate. Could you imagine? CFP, college football, ESPN, Fox Sports. I don't know who's in control of this. You all have to come together and do it. You have to. You have to. You have to do it. 
Just do it. I don't care. Cheat. Lie. Steal. I don't care. (laughs) Give college football that moment. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the rankings? Could you imagine? Oh, and you reveal it backwards. You say, number one, Michigan. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Georgia. Oh, we're going to get a rematch. Who's that fourth team going to be? Is it Notre Dame? Do they? And then all of a sudden, card flips. Flip. Ohio State. What? <laughs> Could you imagine that moment for college football? Oh, man. I got myself all excited at the end of the show. <laughs> guys, guys, it could happen. It could happen. Oh, but what sucks is you'd have to root for Michigan to win. Ugh. <laughs> it's like kissing your sister. Ugh. Oh, man. All right, well, here's the good thing. Georgia, Alabama play at four. Houston and Cincinnati play at four. Baylor and Oklahoma State play at noon. So pretty much when that game, when the Michigan-Iowa game comes on at 8, you know. So the Alabama-Georgia game has zero impact on Ohio State getting in, right? This this collusion. I don't even know if I'm cheating. (laughs) Is this cheating? We all agree, like, you don't have to put Notre Dame in, right? Like, we don't have to just strictly based on the fact that they don't have a head coach, and we don't think they're beating any of these teams anyway. So sorry, Notre Dame, you're kind of just out of this. If Cincinnati loses, do we really feel like we had... They lost to Houston, bro. You knew the deal. You had to go undefeated. We gave you a bone. We put you in the fourth spot. If you win, we can't drop you. There's nobody behind you. And you're playing after Baylor, Oklahoma State. So if Oklahoma State wins... Then, yeah, now it's a conversation. You have a 12-1 Oklahoma State. If you lose in Cincinnati, you're probably getting bumped for Oklahoma State. But if you're Cincinnati and Oklahoma State loses before you, right, you know what you have to do. And then you don't get it done. You don't deserve it. So that's two teams out of there. The only other team is Notre Dame. And then it's you. Then at Ohio State, you're sitting there. Oh, my God. Oh, guys, guys, football gods, sports gods, please, please grant me this. <laughs> please, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sorry for all the bad things I said about Michigan. I'm sorry for trash talking the way I did. I will go back and delete last week's episode. <laughs> I will delete OH Holiday from the feed. Please, please, football gods, please, sports gods, give me this. Grant me this. I feel, You know what I feel like? I feel like uh, Chucky and Child's play where he's begging, ah, they do a demo That's what I feel like. <laughs> I'm begging the sports gods to give me this, man. You got to give me this. This has to happen, right? It's too perfect. It's too, you know what? I'll help you out. I'll help you out. Hey, sports gods, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll throw you a bone. Oklahoma State beat oh, Oklahoma State. I'm so excited. Oklahoma State beats Baylor. Right? Oklahoma State beats Baylor. They move up. Georgia beats Alabama. They move out. You know what? Get Alabama out of there. Move Alabama down. Put Oklahoma State in the playoff. So you have Michigan beats Iowa. 
Sorry, I almost threw up. They win. Ugh. So they move to number one. No, but that only happens if you have Georgia lose. Nah, here's what happens. Georgia beats Alabama. It's a close game. Michigan beats Iowa by two touchdowns, three touchdowns. They look more impressive. They move up to one. (laughs) We're manipulating it just to make it happen. Okay, so Georgia beats Alabama, but it's close. Michigan beats Iowa in a big blowout. Michigan moves to number one. Georgia moves to number two. Alabama moves out. Oklahoma State moves up to number three. Cincinnati loses, so you have Ohio State move up to four. They get that rematch versus Michigan. Just two. Michigan just won. Fans going crazy. They beat Ohio State, finally. Coach saying, oh, born on third base, think you hit a triple. Offensive coordinator, they're, they're good, but they're finesse. They're not tough. And now you have to play them a month later? Sports gods, hey, sports gods, the setup is perfect. The path is clear. (laughs) The path is clear. Please, please. Listen, 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 listen. (laughs) They would be playing, chances are, in either an indoor stadium or a warm weather venue. Which means... Ohio State would be at 100% in a clean environment. That 40-point victory I was talking about, we would see it. Because all that anger they have, all that revenge they want, all that 365 days of just waiting for that one moment, they wouldn't have to wait. They wouldn't have to wait. It'd be a couple weeks away. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the fear? (laughs) Could you imagine how terrified? Could you imagine how... Yo, listen. The anger. The anger that Michigan fans would feel. The rage they would have being told you have to play Ohio State again in the playoff. The rage they would feel would be worth it for me. That alone would be worth it. I just want that next day reaction. Hey, sports gods. Lie. <laughs> hey, college football playoff. Put out the rating, the rankings. Have Ohio State be number four in the playoff. And then three days later say, oh, wait, we made a mistake. We actually meant, and then put whoever else you want in there. But give me that couple days of Michigan freaking out. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to predict that it's going to happen. But God, it could happen. It could. When I first started this, I was like, ah, let me go through and see. How crazy we can make this. What crazy things need to happen. What small chances Ohio State have to get in. And now I'm thinking maybe they set it up this way on purpose. Because Baylor can beat Oklahoma State. It's not impossible. They played before, right? They played this year. Baylor lost, of course, but in a rematch, like you have to favor the other team, right? Like you get a second crack at it, you might fare better. So it's possible Houston, it's possible they could beat the Cincinnati choke under the pressure because it's winning in. You win and you're in. Do they fold under that pressure? Houston's 11 and 1. Like, it's possible. Georgia, Alabama, who cares? Doesn't matter. 
If if Alabama wins, they move up a spot. If Georgia loses, they move down a spot. Like you can keep those two there. You can keep them there. If nothing else, you know that a rematch isn't going to be a blowout one way or the other. So it's going to be a competitive game in the playoff. And you can justify Georgia losing one game to Alabama like you should be in. If they had lost that game week two, you wouldn't say they shouldn't be in the college football playoff. You would still say, we still think they're the best team they have to be in. Alabama, you could say, yo, they just beat the best team like they have to be in. Right? So that doesn't matter. And Michigan beating Iowa, like, yeah, that's that's probable. Right? And then all you have to do is explain why Notre Dame doesn't get into the college football playoff. And then you have to explain why Ohio State at two losses deserves to be there over Cincinnati with one loss. And you could just simply narrow that down to strength of schedule. That's it. Simple. They lost to what would be the number one team on the road in a rivalry game, and they lost to Oregon, who if they win Friday night, the Pac-10 championship, or Pac-12 championship, they would be 11-2 and in, in the top 10 also. So their only two losses came against top 10 teams. Who'd you lose to, Cincinnati? Who'd you play, Cincinnati? That's what it is. It's easy, easy work. Easy to explain. Guys, 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 guys. This is possible. I just ta- I just spent what 15 minutes getting myself excited for the possibility. I can't. I yeah. Bro. <laughs> Yo, this week, I listen, I was like wondering, like, what am I going to do this week? And I'm not interested in any of these games. Now I'm interested. Now as the dominoes start to fall, I'm going to, like, listen, if I look up and I see Baylor beat Oklahoma State, I'm going to, I'm going to pee. I'm going to pee a little bit in my pants. <laughs> the excitement is going to cause me to pee a little bit. Again, we don't care about the Georgia-Alabama game because they could both stay in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect Ohio State. You got to get Oklahoma State away. Baylor's not going to jump Ohio State. It's not going to happen. They both have two losses. It will come down to finances. Ohio State is going to generate more revenue. So you're going to keep them in. We're not worried about them. Notre Dame, we're not worried about because Notre Dame, we could jump because they don't have a coach. I know that. I, I don't know why. I keep saying that. I keep going to that. I guess I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're a mess. They're They're a disaster. Right? So it comes down to Houston, Cincinnati. Now, if I look up, now, mind you, I already have a little pee in my pants because I got a little excited because Oklahoma State lost. And if Cincinnati loses to Houston, oh, (laughs) I've soiled my pants. My pants are now soiled. And now all we need, the final piece of the puzzle, would be Michigan beating Iowa. And I would be rooting for Michigan to beat Iowa in that case. I would. And I know the sports gods are going to look at me and say, oh, now you want to root for Michigan. Now you love Michigan. And they might penalize me again. They might make me suffer one more time. Because if Michigan loses, they're not going to drop below Ohio State. Right? That would give them two losses. It probably would push 
Cincinnati into it would push either Cincinnati or Notre Dame into the playoff. You know, this this whole idea started out exciting and it's quickly turned into my my hopes for chaos are going to be resting on Michigan. I an Ohio State fan is going to be relying on Michigan. <laughs> I'm hurt. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's my time, y'all. I'm excited for this uh, this college football playoff, man. I gotta make picks, predictions. How do I make predictions and not be completely biased and what I hope is gonna happen? <laughs> this is a chaos week. All right, uh, let's start with the NFL, man. Thursday night football, Cowboys Saints. Uh, I'm 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 going with the Saints, man. Saints are at home. Cowboys dealing with a bunch of issues due to COVID. I I got I got the Saints winning that. Uh, Vikings Lions. Look, look, Lions got to get a win, right? Jared Goff's got to get one. I think this is the week they get it done. I got the Lions beating the Vikings, and I'm gonna pick one more. I'm gonna take the uh, the Patriots to beat the Bills. And cause a whole mess of problems. Yeah, Patriots beat the Bills. And then they get talked about being the best in the NFL. And that's going to cause quite the discussion that we'll talk about next week. College football. I got Utah beating Oregon. Oh, God. I'm going to go with my heart and what I hope happens. Chaos. I'm picking Baylor to beat Oklahoma State. I'm picking Georgia to beat Alabama. Yep, Georgia beat Alabama. (laughs) Houston beats Cincinnati. Michigan beats Iowa. And Ohio State gets put in the college football playoff at number four. Michigan moves up to number one. Michigan-Ohio State rematch in the college football playoff. That's what I'm calling. Look, that's my time. Hope you have fun this week. I showed my face, all right? I went through the rough week. Thanksgiving loss. Ohio State losing to Michigan. I went through it. I'm here. Stood up, faced the music, took the blame, whatever. Listen, man, I hope you have a good week. I hope these things come true. I hope chaos happens for the college football playoff. It'll be great for college football. I may have fixed college football for the second time this season. Listen, man, I hope you have a blessed week. I'll see y'all next time.